Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Detroit Lions Breakdown Podcast. I'm Joe Gania. With me, as always, is Eric Schlitt from PrideofDetroit.com. Eric, and a not not frigid, not a totally um, frozen tundra of Lambeau Field type game mm-hmm. on January 8th. The Lions, who bittersweetly had already been eliminated from playoff contention minutes before in a poorly officiated game in Seattle <laughs> between the Los Angeles Rams and Seattle Seahawks. The Lions defeated the Green Bay Packers 20 to 16 at Lambeau Field in a game that meant something. Uh, and it had been a long time since the Lions been able to do something like that, albeit yeah. without much on the line for themselves. Yeah, it's it was uh it was a poorly officiated game in uh in Seattle. Uh ESPN wrote an article the following weekend about how the uh multiple like teams or and people had complained about the fact that it was one of the worst if not the worst officiated game of the year a lot of bad stuff at the end which uh yeah, it was pretty Most rough. that all benefited the seahawks it's not yeah. like you yeah. know it's, and, and, and we shouldn't we're hopefully we won't don't get delve into this too much oh, yeah. because no. in the end you know even dan campbell would say it himself yesterday and uh it's it's on them you know like mm. they could have won an extra game and made it all moot sure. right but yep. you know like uh, but there were four like major calls in the second half and they all went yeah. seattle's way it's not like yeah. one of it's not like one or two or if it wasn't one to three where the rams got you know egregious call go their way mm. they were all for seattle and it's just unusual how, how how it plays out like that. Unfortunately, yeah, there's know, no lines are on the wrong end of it again. But that's it is what it is. Because you can look at it and be like, well, there's really not a conspiracy attached to this because <laughs> if they're gonna, you know, if they were gonna have the Seahawks get that win, like it's like, well, you know, the Packers, they're a big ticket team. You know, they're a public right. team. Like they're gonna pull out all the stops in this game, in the Lions <laughs> game. You like, there's every call is gonna go the Packers' way, and yeah, yeah, there were a couple of them, but it wasn't nothing, you know, egregious. Yeah, nothing too egregious. There was the hands right. to the face penalty, which you know gave everybody flashbacks. You know, anybody <laughs> who's closely followed this team over the last several years, but then you watch the replays, like, well, it was a hands to the face. I guess they could have not called it, but it was a penalty. Mm-hmm. Mm. I tell you. The fact that the game went Seattle's way and set it up to where the Lions didn't have, you know, playoff hopes on the line and they still came out and did what they did, I think made the win all the more impressive, right? Yeah, because, they could easily given up. Right. And, and they didn't. And, and this was a Packers team that needed it. And they were throwing everything they had at the Lions. And the Lions took it and countered. And they knocked them out of the playoffs, right? Like, away they go. And and that is, I think, in the end, the overlying theme that I'm focused on is that, you know, they had a, the Packers wanted it as bad as they could, and the Lions wouldn't let them have it. And, and that shows a a changing of the guard moment, which is exactly what oh we'd been talking about. I mean, look, this is what I've been talking. So this that was a I- changing of the guard moment. You feel I that was the- okay. I think when we look back, this has that potential. That's why I was so pumped about this game leading up to this game. You were pumped about this game. This is a, this is a game where in my mind, you are seeing the, 
you're seeing Rodgers devolve. You're uh, you're you've seen the, the the Vikings have been exposed uh, over and over yet, <laughs> you know, and and the Bears are still a long ways from where they want to be. And the Lions are clicking at the right time. And they are one of there's there's going to be two teams at the end of the season that are going to be happy with how their season ended. Whoever wins the Super Bowl and the Lions, right? Because the Lions have to be happy that they walked in there and took that win. They have they have to be ecst- very ecstatic about that. Yet you don't make the playoffs, and that leaves that lingering. Well. You weren't good enough at the beginning, so now you can be good enough. Now you have to recognize that and use that as motivation next year. You know, it's going to be a, yeah, if you would have done it at the beginning of the season, you would have gotten the playoffs. So don't make that same mistake in 2023, right? So there's just enough there to keep that underdog mentality, just enough there to keep that that fire underneath them to to continue to, to progress. Yet, they were five and one in the division and a fourth down call away from being six and oh, and they should, in my mind, be the favorites to win the NFC North next year. And and, and there's not even a doubt in my mind. Like it, I, I don't know what's going to happen with green Bay. I think Minnesota is going to regress. They'll regress to the mean, as you always say, water finds its level. Right. Mm-hmm. And the bears just aren't ready. The bears have talent, but they're just not ready. They're not there. They didn't need to add a lot. And so, I am uh, I am feeling awfully confident heading into the offseason, and I think the Lions organization should be as well. Yet, like I said, there's just enough there to, to keep them motivated to say for them not to get complacent with a win, and they shouldn't let that get to their head, I think. But, man, they've got to be ecstatic with, with, uh, with how that season ended, being able to snatch that away from them like that. Well, you talk about them not getting so overconfident. We're going to talk in a bit. We're going to talk about how, you know, the Lions, I believe, what is they have 18 pending unrestricted free agents. Mm. And then there's a handful of restricted and exclusive rights free agents. So, you know, regardless of what we'd like to to think, the roster is going to look quite a bit different next year, just like any NFL roster. So hopefully this new team that they'll be fielding in 2023 Mm-hmm. You know, that won't be too overconfident about what happened on that that January evening in in Green Bay and more looking for they can't start slow again. You know, like yeah. that's that that will be unacceptable in a way. I mean, I don't see them firing Campbell if they're they start slow again, but there there is a risk of that because yeah, they're gonna have these five early draft picks, you know, in the first how many picks, and you and I both like to hope they're gonna spend them all on defense, or at least four of them <laughs> on defense, and four of them will be starting. But at the same time, like what in the how many in the six years or whatever we've done the podcast and we've you've had your your lists and this is who the Lions should go after. And and we mm-hmm. know that you're not going to nail all the picks. And you know, nobody, nobody ever comes close. Mm-hmm. But they never do what like is what normal fans say, okay, well, these are the guy, these are the these are the positions they could go at. Forget about the guys themselves. These are the positions they should go after. They're not going to do that. <laughs> like it's going to be something <laughs> that was going to catch us all by surprise. But still, it's going to be a whole lot of new pieces to 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 put in on defense and a couple on offense as well. And they can't start slow. 
You know, they can't start yeah. slow next year like this year and have it be like, well, we're acclimating all these new guys to a new situation. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it's not going to work. I, I do think one of the ways that they're going to levy that is I, I do think a lot of the free agents that they have pending are, are going to return. Last year, they had 13. They returned seven. I wouldn't be surprised if they at least hit that ratio again. So at least nine of the guys that are pending could come back, maybe 10. Um, it would fall in line with the the rewarding of uh, hard work and rewarding of production that they, they uh, leaned on last offseason. Um, they talked, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell at the end of, end of season press conferences both talked about the fact that they have a certain, they're looking for players that have a certain mentality. And these are 18 guys. Well, these are, these are 18 guys that they have identified as having that mentality. So they've already done their homework on them. And it's a matter of, can you find an agreement uh, about what each, you know, what you determine their value is versus what they think their value is and, and can, how many of those guys are, are, are willing to come back or how many are willing to go test the market. And, I, but I do think they're going to try and maintain a lot of guys. Now, you mentioned five picks. They have five picks in the top eighty-one. Those those are, are set. Like that's that's really uh, they can do some really good things with that, right? Um, so they're going to add that influx. But again, when you look at this year's rookie class and, and last year's rookie class, they all have the same mentality. They all fit into that ideology of these hardworking guys who don't fizzle out, uh, you know, and they just push and push and push and they have the, they have potential to develop. And you would expect to see the same types of, you know, high character, high football, love of football type of player coming in that can, you know, fit right into the scheme and hopefully have good competition with the roster that's returning. Plus you can fill, maybe you can fill some holes as well. All right, so now back to the Green Bay game. So let's get that out of the way before we talk. Start talking about each one of these free agents one by one. Now we're the game gets going. You know, Lions have nothing to play for except for to break the Packers' hearts. But you know, <laughs> Green Bay they they have a solid, steady drive. You know, they go this like was it like seventy five yards on the first drive, get the yeah. get the field goal. You know, we the, they stop. The great thing about the Lions they do stop them on the goal line or inside the yeah. five yard line. They force Green Bay to kick the field goal. And then the Lions get the ball three and out right away. Did that make you at all nervous? Like, oh boy, here we go. No, no, because I've seen, I can't even tell you. I feel like almost every game this year when they've faced a decent opponent, that opponent has scored on the opening drive. Like, it just feels like it. Like, I might not be right in that, but it, but it seemed pretty consistent that the scripted plays – that are called against the lions early tend to work. And I don't know if that's just because of good coaching on the other team, or if the lions just are, were slow starters or, or what the, the thing was, but it didn't surprise me at all because I I'd seen it so many times. So no, I wasn't, I wasn't nervous at that point. I still, I still thought in the totality over the totality of the game that the lions were a better team and, and eventually I yeah, I thought they'd wear him down, and that's that's kind of what happened. Interesting move by the Packers right after that three and out. The Packers get the ball and they pull a Dan Campbell. <laughs> they went for it on fourth and what was a fourth and one at their own 32-yard line. We're all sitting there, oh yeah, they're gonna just call timeout. Roger's gonna do the clay. I'm gonna try to draw him offside, I'm gonna draw him <laughs> offside. And then if they don't draw him offside, he's gonna call timeout to go out the punt. 
but they don't do that. They run a goofy, right. you know, they run end around, yeah, Lizard, yeah, round end, yeah. and it gets stuffed, and it's like oh, this is incredible. Like they did yeah. something real stupid. <laughs> like mm-hmm, I right. expected them to do something stupid. And yeah. and it wasn't just that they that their call was a little passive for for um for that situation, but Anzalone read that thing. Like and 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 everybody on their side did what they were supposed to do. Yeah, like I mean, it it was it was read perfectly by the back linebackers. The the defenders uh, up front held their edges, and it was just it was it was picked up perfectly. I mean, they did it. it, That's exactly how you draw up how to stop that play, and it was perfectly execution. And yeah, they took advantage. They ended up getting what three on that drive too, right? Yeah, they they puttered, only got twelve yards, were able to get three, able to tie up the game. Packers bounce back. They have a little sustained drive. They shoot good five minutes, take a six-three lead. Lions once again three and out, give the ball right back to the Packers. Packers tack on another field goal. Now they're up nine to three. Um, Then the Lions get the ball back. They putter. They 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 now they finally get a drive together. Twelve plays, forty eight mm-hmm. yards, but it ends up they end up miss. You know it's the field goal that right. gradually misses the forty six yarder. And you know, yeah. it's like thing once again things aren't going well. Very slow start. Mm-hmm. A lot of questioning. Maybe what what Ben Johnson was up to. Which is were you sitting there also not so much on this drive, but you would you sit there and watch those how many series and like nobody can hire him. Nobody can hire this guy. <laughs> like, look at him. He's got these too many three and outs. You know, he doesn't seem to be right. There's no game plan here. He needs another year of seasoning. I I just kept thinking in my mind, as long as it's, you know, like a one score or just over a one score game, then that's good. Because again, my mentality was, I think it's going to be a game of attrition. And, and so I didn't really even panic at that point because even when Badgley missed because, you know, the weather was there and I figured it would be, those were going to happen. And it's just kind of, you know, the things that happened in Lambeau in January. So um, as long as they were within those, that touchdown, you know, I, I still felt that this offense being as quick strike as they were could, could score if they needed to. And so now Packers drive the ball. Comiskey forces the fumble. Yeah. Well, how do you feel? That's like that's the the moment the game really changes. I I, I think. And again, it's a teamwork moment, right? Because Comiskey hustles to get that ball. Um, the Packer got there's a Packer. I think it was Tanyan was diving for it. Right. McNeil then dives and hits Tanyan, and, and leaves the ball and and play. So for then Will Harris to to cover it up, right? And so. Like it was an unselfish play by McNeil. It was, uh, um, it was a it was a good play by by Kaminsky, uh, but yeah, yeah, you could definitely. I mean, there was a couple of those moments like that. Like you mentioned, the fourth down moment, the fumble moment. Those were moments that the Lions needed to come up with a play, and they, and they found guys on their defense that you know were able to to make it work. And it, it as long as the defense was doing that. It was just a matter of time before the offense started clicking. Yeah. So after the fumble lines convert a field goal, we go into halftime, nine to six. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a tight game and the you know, Lions definitely aren't out of it. Things are Packers fans can't be feeling too bad. It's like, well, the Lions aren't bad, you know, like, mm-hmm. we're, but we got them. We got them right where we want them. <laughs> so the, the second, second half ends up being a lot better for the Lions, yeah. obviously. Starts with the, 
starts with the Dan Campbell interview coming out of the half, you know, where they're like, so what do you got to play for, Dan? And he's like, I just want to eliminate them. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, no, he's playing this character. He's playing the Dan Campbell character. It was, yeah, but like, that's the message. That that was, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. sure that was the message in the locker room too. The mm-hmm. message was, this is our moment. Let's go take it from them. And they do. You know, ultimately, we don't have to go through every drive here, but they do. Mm-hmm. You know, Rodgers, you know, he doesn't look great in this game at all. You know, in the line, and, and I don't know, it's, it's very interesting well, how the Lions were able to pull this out. Go ahead. So, no, I was going to say, there's, there's, I, <laughs> I don't want to skip the second half. That was, that was my favorite part. All right. Um, all right. <laughs> but I mean, like, so, so, so Jamal gets a touchdown, right? Ties the record. And it, and it really, I think that, that drive where Jamal scores, was really when the Lions started asserting themselves. It's really when you started to see things starting to, you know, be figured out. Whether it was Goff figuring them out or whether it was Ben Johnson figuring it out, they just started like clicking and finding like weaknesses, right? They started finding weaknesses in their zones. They started being able to push up front a little bit more. And it just, they slowly started to kick in. And that drive, I think, was a big turning point in, in the offense now being able to do that. So, um, I don't know, the Packers, what, they they come back and score again, right? Well, okay, well, wait, wait. So, let's look back. Up. Go ahead. So, okay, coming yeah. out of halftime, Lions go three and out. Give the ball back to the Packers. Now, the Packers have that little, uh, that, that mini drive of theirs, mm. you know, and then they clang the 53-yard field goal. Right off of the crossbar, right? So, yep. you know, that's good. Once again, a momentum changer for the Lions. Now, before you get to the Jamal Williams touchdown run, you talk about Ben John, they're, they're seeing things, they're working everything, figure it out. They send Khalif Raymond in that, you know, he's oh, inside. Yeah. The bomb. And, yeah. And they yeah. off hits him on the bomb, the 43-yard pass down to the one-yard line. Yeah. You know, that was, that was a big trend, like you said. Like, well, they're finally seeing things and how to beat the Packers zone. Mm-hmm. And you know they were just the safety was left on Raymond, and you know and and of course Raymond had him beat. He was quicker than him, got down to the one yard line. And when you get down to the one, this team, as we'll see, you know what happens at the end of the game, like they can get one yard. Yeah, and, and, and I'm trying to remember if there were any. There's probably a goal line stand or a third and one type stand mixed in throughout the season, but Lions can get one yard, and it was mm-hmm. that once they got down there, it's like, well, yeah, Jamal's going to score here. And Khalif, Khalif had broken ribs too. Like he broke his ribs in the first half. And so to be able to, to pull that off with broken ribs and make that adjustment, he hit hard too. Uh, good for Khalif. He, he really, the, the last four or five games for him were really good. Um, I think he really showed what a value he is, uh, as like a role player on offense, as a, as a punt returner, all pro, second team, all pro, right? Yep. Like we find that out later. Like now he's second team, all pro punt returner, like good for him. Um, but that go, that throw by Goff, the roll left throw back to your right across your body, 50 yards on, on, on just in the air. Yep. I mean, that, that's, that's might be his best throw. I've seen him make as a lion. Like, I, I'm sure I'm sure there are other contenders, but that throw that, that's a hard throw. But I mean, look, he had a lot of open space he could throw to, but that's a throw he's missed. I mean, a throwing deep like that or throws that he's missed throughout the season. 
but not there. That was that was as good a throw. Maybe, like I said, maybe the best I've seen him throw uh, in his two years in Detroit. All right. So then the Packers, you know, so the Packers got to turn around. Now they're like, crap. We're, mm-hmm. in we're probably in a little bit of trouble here and they cobbled together a nice nine play 83 yard touchdown drive where they did what they should have been doing throughout the entire you know, they're using aaron jones yeah using alan lazard they throw the, they throw their deep pass play to christian yeah. watson and and the, or warrior gets his nice oh, little God. goodbye well that's his goodbye you know <laughs> more he had to get yeah. that one less pass interference although it was declined you know watson caught the pass <laughs> so it ended up not being a penalty you know it's too bad with Aurora. Yeah. it's on it's a, he's on our list obviously yeah we'll get to him free agents but you know that was a nice little tip of the cap to the detroit fans and uh so packers score there you know keeping it close and then the lions once again come back three and out oh gee you know, like there's a lot of, there were there were the chunks of three and outs in this game Mm. But then you know, the Lions come back, kit, you know, they, they give it back to the Packers. Packers don't do anything with the ball. And, you know, they have to kick it back to us. So mm-hmm. now finally, you know, the, uh, the, the, the piece de resistance drive, you know, that puts the game away. It's the 13 mm. play 75 yard touchdown drive. Choose up eight minutes off the clock. Some big chunk games, plays yeah. some little chunk plays. Fourth, fourth and two was might have been the second best play of the game, um, just because you get, it's in a gotta have it moment where they just throw a quick out to Chark for uh, to get the keep yard. the drive going. Yeah, it was simple, easy, and and like it works because um, their their corner was nine yards uh, playing deep. He was he was playing nine yards off. And so they just they run a little quick out, little three yard out, and pick up the first down, and away you go. Because Alexander was playing them off. Because there's look when you have a player, and this is this becomes the value of Chark, right? And we're gonna get to him too. When you have a guy who is a a a, a speed threat, your defenses are going to play him off, and that's what they did. Now, why they played him off in fourth and two? it's hard to say you could argue one of the reasons they played him off on fourth and two is because of earlier in the year when on fourth and two, they'd throw the little, they'd throw the 20 yard deep ball Mm -hmm. to those. Right. And they, and we, we complained about how those were terrible, but in how Ben, Ben Johnson in that situation twice called the deep ball. And this time, he doesn't. And maybe they're anticipating setting it all up for today or not maybe, today, that day. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what they see. Maybe they see, okay, this is a deep ball moment. We got to, and he plays off and it was, a, it was a mistake because they throw the quick out to get the three air conversion. The drive keeps going. Like that was a huge play um, on that long sustained drive. So two plays later, you know, Green Bay, there's this, this weird bit of frustration being exposed, mm. you know, because the next play after the the fourth and two play, you know, the the Swift gets 11 yard run. We're in first and 10 again. Yeah. Um, Swift gets the ball again and gets stopped. So Swift gets hurt, right? So the yeah, training staff comes to out onto the field. And then Quay Walker, like bizarrely, shoves one of the trailers, tra- tra- trainers, because he bumped mm-hmm. him on his mm-hmm. way out to the field. Kind of really odd behavior, kind of bad timing. Maybe you could have gotten away with it in another week. <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. And you know, week 18 after the DeMar Hamlin situation. So Walker gets ejected and makes himself a meme 
And when he, as he's walking down the tunnel, we'll probably yeah. see that image again. Mm. A very, very bizarre little sequence. And I was kind of surprised they surprised and not surprised because a it was like well they're never going to throw a packer out of a game and then it's like well they kind of have to because it's national <laughs> tv and he shoved a right. trainer after you know like, what trainers did the week before yeah i don't think they were going to throw him out and i think that got they got buzzed from new york i think new york was like you got to toss him like honestly because like they set up for that next play and they were ready to go and then they stopped it and then they and then they reconvert reconvened and then they and then they ejected him after that so i i'm feeling I, i'm pretty confident that this crew was just ready to just let it go and just keep going yeah. and uh then new york stepped in and was like because on the tv on the broadcast tv broadcast on the TV. uh on the tv on um what was it gene sterator was the gene was the, right? yep. gene's gene's like this is an ejection. This isn't it. And then, and then that's what, all of a sudden they stop it. And I was like, all right, well, that makes sense now. Um, what did Devontae, what didn't Devontae Wyatt do something on the he, play too? He had his, yeah, he had his hands in his like hand warmer front uh, yeah, yep. fan, fanny Ouch. pack. Yep. And, and when the, when the, when the athletic trainer turned, he like bumped him. Like, and it was very obvious. Like, he was trying to be sneaky, but you have a million cameras on that field. And even, even Tarika was like, oh, look at why it's going to bump him too. Oh, you know, like, <laughs> like it was just lunacy. Like, he's, look, th- those are both Georgia rookies, right? And so they, um, they uh, were probably just, you know, sticking up for his buddy, but you got to have better sense than that especially yeah. no like mm-hmm. you said knowing the situation so i mean look first down they move them right inside the the uh, the the ten down to and, the four yard line yeah roles are revert like traditionally lions yeah. are always the team that does dumb stuff like this sure you know, that pulls sure. all this dumb crap like you know this just shows kind of like the bad season the packers had and the bad type of squad they had you know even the walker and Wyatt are going to end up being very good player you know as you pointed mm-hmm. out they're both rookies they're both going to continue to develop but it's like you know it's just a real you know dumb (laughs) yeah stuff that we've seen in our past that you know like where the the head coach is throwing challenge flags while the play is going on you know know, things like this usually it's usually the lions that are doing all the dumb stuff like that you mean you mean the new browns defensive coordinator jim schwartz oh well good for him we'll see how that works out yeah although it worked out great for him in philadelphia so who knows yeah. Uh, so the right. first down on the four, run, mm-hmm. run one, Williams, Williams, Williams. He's got Barry's record. It's no longer yep. a tie. He's just got it outright. Yeah. I mean, look, he caps the year with a thousand yards, over a thousand yards, 1,066, Which, I think it was. Great and for then... us Lions fans, but hold mm-hmm. on, hold on a minute here. It's now a 17 game season. That's really mm-hmm. like 61 yards a game or something <laughs> like that. You know, it's just like we've been in this oasis. Mm-hmm. A thousand yard rushers, you know, Jamal's not like this dominant, uh, you know, running back that, you know, mm-hmm. you only have, what do you have to only one game of over a hundred yards or do you have two games over a hundred yards a season? It's not many. Oh, I'm not even sure. Um, but look for this, this backfield was supposed to be Swift's and he was talking thousand yards, receiving thousand yards, rushing. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of chance. And, and in the end, it becomes Jamal's backfield. Right. And so, and we'll get to the importance of Jamal when we get to the free agents, but um, it's a nice season for him. You know, he 
He breaks all kinds of records, sets all kinds of, of uh, career marks. Um, yeah, a thousand yards is is not what it was back in the day, but it's uh, it's still a very nice accomplishment for him. It's only the, I mean, it's the first time Lions have had a thousand yard rusher since what Reggie uh, mm-hmm. Bush, and then Red before Reggie had been a while. You know what I mean? Like. Maybe was it Barry before then? I'm sure there's some Barry was it Kevin Jones or James. I was gonna say Kevin Jones. I was gonna say, yeah, uh, maybe James Stewart too. That's a good point. Um, you always forget about James Stewart for some reason, but um, yeah, but good. Jamal he gets a 17. Uh, that was something if if, if you're not if you're not always like paying attention to all of the social media stuff or, or like sights and sounds that the lions put out after the games, this was a record that the lions were trying lions team, like the players were trying to get Jamal against the bears. Like they were talking about it in the middle of the game. Like we want to get you a thousand. We want to get you to that 17. Like this was something that they were very aware of. And, um, it was a goal that they had been trying to do because they absolutely loved, loved Jamal Williams. And so they were trying to get that done in week seven or uh, 17. It ends up being very fitting that it happens in week 18 against uh, Jamal's former team where he gets to really, uh, you know, it ends up being a really nice story and a nice last chapter in the story that was uh, 2022 for him. Kevin Jones had 1,133 yards rushing back in 2004 as a rookie. Um, oh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. James Stewart had 1,184 yards in 2000 with the Lions and then 1,021 in 2002. So there are a couple of them. And that's, you know, then before that, it's all Barry Sanders before that. Yeah. Uh, back to the game. Uh, Green Bay gets the ball back down 20 to 16. This is their last gasp. And it's mm-hmm. you know, Rogers has done this to us a million times before. Sure. There's the famous fail Mary at Ford field <laughs> that, you know, everybody <laughs> remembers very well, but not a happening this time throws an interception to cap off his season to Kirby Joseph first player to inter- ever intercept him three times. It all happens in one season. Incredible. Yeah. It like, it's a, this is again this is an evolution play where uh in previous weeks that was a situation where Glenn would go zero a uh, call a zero blitz right where he would take uh this uh, both safeties out of the mix and either put them in coverage or put them in blitzing situations uh but this time he leaves the single high and again it's i don't want to say it's a setup play as much as it's probably just him learning but he blitzes, or I mean, actually, kind of fake blitzes um, Elliot, who then peels off, who who blitzes to draw the back. So he okay. Let me let me pause for a second. He starts to blitz on Rogers' left, and when he does that, the back shifts across the formation from Rogers' right to Rogers' left. But as the tight end leaks. Elliot bails and stays with the tight end. And now you've put this running back. You've taken him over to the left side and, and out of the way of where your blitz is actually coming from, which is on the right side. They loop Anzalone around and they, and they rush Derek Barnes straight into the, to the a gap. Derek Barnes purposely engages with the guard 
your interior defensive lineman engages with the center and they create a rush lane. Now, normally the back would be in that rush lane, but the blitz from Elliot draws the back over and creates a gap in that lane. The loop from Anzalone comes down the alley and he's the one who puts the pressure on, on uh, Aaron Rodgers. This is again, another great play by Anzalone in a critical situation. Rodgers throws it up. And Kirby just sits there and waits because they're not in zero. They have they, they left the one. And Rodgers doesn't get enough on the ball, but even if he does get enough on the ball, the range that Kirby has is really, you know, ridiculous. Uh, Rodgers saw him in the middle of the field and said he didn't think he could make it over there, but Kirby, the range that he has is just awesome. So he does make it over there, gets the pick. Uh, remember he had one pick. He, he had one potential interception. He dropped earlier in the game and he had another interception that got called back because of a penalty. So like this is the third time he's gotten his hands on the ball on a Rogers throw. So it's five and interceptions. He could have five. Like that's crazy. Um, but it speaks to how good I think Kirby can be moving forward. And then sure enough. Okay. So he gets the ball back and now the Lions just have to, you know, run that clock out chew up the rest of the clock they get the ball back three minutes and 27 seconds remaining in the game uh they get into the situation where they're in second and one on their own on not on their own on the packer 25 yard line and there's a penalty the packers yeah. decide to go off sides mm-hmm. lions decide you know what no we're not going to uh, accept the penalty we're going to mm-hmm. let it sit at second and one and then you know it takes a second for the announcers you know, to realize, you know, what are they, what are the Lions doing here? Just take the first down. And then, mm-hmm. then they start going into genius territory with Dan Campbell. It's like, <laughs> all right, let's slow down everyone. Cause this easily a... couldn't have worked out, you know, but like, it's great that it did. Yeah. Savvy. It's a smart move. It's a smart move when you're playing the clock game. Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I thought, I thought that it was, I mean, look, it, it, Genius is, is a strong word, but that's a highly intelligent move in a big game, in a big situation on national TV, and he made the right decision. I think that goes a long way to helping, you know, the perception of him as a coach. So now the Lions are forcing the Packers to chew up a lot, uh, some more timeouts, but the Lions, so the Lions get first down on next play, you know, th- th- this is a team that can get one yard. They're, they're, they're a good point to decline the offsides. But on the second and seven play, James Mitchell ends up getting called for holding, pushing the Lions yeah. back to second down and 17, where, you know, in a season that is filled with plays of the year, this is this is one of them right up there. So Goff throws the pass out you know, short and to the right, into you know, the outside to Amon Ross St. Brown, and the Packers just have it. They have it like, you know, dead to rights. Like, oh boy, like they are <laughs> going to have to give the ball. At least it's going to force, you know, it's a completed pass. At least it's going to force the Packers to take another time out. And then boom, lo and behold, you know, St. Brown chucks it back to DeAndre Swift, the good old hook and ladder play. Swift goes around the end there, gets 22 yards, gets all the way down uh, to the 17, the, the Lions, not the Lions, Green Bay 17 yard line. So mm-hmm. that's it. You know, like, well, that's not it because now we're at third and three, but at least it's a manageable third down. Right. No, they don't get the first down there, but all of a sudden, but when it's like, we're going to have to kick the field goal and give the ball back to them. Now it's like, whoa, it's not over yet. I watched that play 200 times, I think is probably a legitimate. (laughs) Like, I'm not even like, 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 that's a legitimate. You had it injected into your veins. Like, like, well, Panay Sewell, 
turning and running free and then seeing a safety come up. No, on that was a just, crushing oh, block. My goodness. Um, like a rag doll. That was, I mean, I watched, them. I watched that play of the 200. I'd say 150 of them were probably for that block because that block was awesome. Um, but man, look, what a, should we be surprised at a play call like this when we've seen a, a fourth down pass to Penesul or what was that? That was third. third it was the third down. Yeah. yeah. The, third, are, yeah no. the pass to Penesul, the, 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 the block, uh, and then leak from Brock Wright in the Jets game on fourth down. Like when we've seen these other gutsy play calls throughout the year, we shouldn't have been surprised by that at all. But right. I mean, everybody. Everybody was surprised. Yeah, and, Packers definitely weren't expecting it. Oh yeah, no, Mike Tarico wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was great. I couldn't type fast enough. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just like ah, uh, just awesome. And then like to be able to have the trust in in a to have a receiver like St. Brown that you know you can throw it to who will then stand there knowing he's going to get hit and then be able to accurately deliver that, that ladder. Um, that's awesome. Like, it, like that's a, so many different, the thing is the thing that I guess I'm, as we're reflecting here is there's so many different players that stepped up when they needed to, right? Like throughout the the year, we've seen these, we've seen games where it's like these four, these three guys, these four guys, whatever, were the the clear difference makers in this game. In this game, you could make a case for a dozen or 15 different guys who did such very important, you know, key moments. So on third and three, Ball's handed off to Jamal Williams. He gets two yards off on the right side, stuck in another fourth and one situation. What did they do in the previous fourth and one situation? Threw the ball to DJ Chark. What did they do in this fourth and one situation? They threw the ball again to DJ Chark. Yeah, and you know, again, it's a subtle little thing, but it's a quick rush to the line. Like they stay in the huddle as long as they can. And then the once the ball gets placed, now – in a lot of situations, the offense will break and then the ref will be over the ball waiting for the defense to make their adjustments and then the the play begins, right? They waited for the ball to get set and they waited for the ref to vacate that spot. So when he was completely out of the way, then they broke the huddle and went fast. And when they went fast, the Packers had to diagnose where everyone was and they went empty, so they had all five guys out. So then they – I don't think they were expecting that because I think they were expecting, you know, a run because as we've been talking about, fourth and one, third and one, these are plays that, where they're running the ball and they're converting. They they have to account for a potential QB sneak. I know he's in shotgun, but they still have to account for it. So they can't just leave like three guys uh, on the line. So they've got to they've got to keep their four guys, and then they've got to cover a spread out field – and there's they basically called like a zone and then they and what they what the lions ran was was a zone beater and it wasn't just chark they had like three guys that were open you know what i mean but chark was the easiest and there was no one near him right i mean no one near him and it was blocked to create the hole for him for golf to throw through and it was a well-designed 
and well-executed play. And it just, again, speaks to the preparedness that this team was able to do going into this game. That was it. Next play was victory formation. Jared Goff got to sit on it, and there was all sorts of jubilation. There was some long camera shots held on Aaron Rodgers because then they started (laughs) conjuring up a storyline of, oh, this is his last, maybe his last game ever, maybe his last game as a Green Bay Packer. He wouldn't give Jamison Williams his jersey, but I don't I don't think anybody should make too big of a deal out of that. Yeah, he's you kind know, of like, a dick, so you know, never <laughs> just you know. But you know, but then you know the other side, you know, the Lions are going crazy. All the fans lucky enough, all the Lions fans lucky enough to be at Lambeau Field, you know, scooted their way all the way down. Oh, the, yeah. Down around the uh apron of the stadium there, and Lions greeting them all and Hutchinson jumps and does his own Lambo leap, which probably will be bulletin board material for next year's <laughs> game. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of happiness came out of that game. And, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of people look at like, I, I see it as a good, you know, I'm a, I'm big into curses and all that sort of thing, but I thought it was a good thing. Lions finished off the season on a strong note. They have a lot to look forward to in the future. And then a lot of people will see it and be like, you know, why are they acting like this is their Super Bowl? They're not even in the playoffs. All they are is a 500 team. You know, you can see it either way. Well, because it's a turning point. And look, I mean, they won three games in a row against the Packers. Uh, and and like I said, this was a this is a defining moment game. This is what it could be. And this is what I in my mind, I think what it turned into. And so I'm, you know, I I'm this was everything I wanted, right? Like this, I said, I wanted to mean something because those are the ones, those are the games that have, you know, that leave the memories. Right. And this is a memorable game for me. Like there's a lot of things. There, there were so many good things in there that you, you might even forgot a couple. Right. And hopefully, you know, the people listening here enjoyed reliving it even, you know, because there was just, there was so much fun to it. And so, I, I just, I love the bravado that comes out of it. You know, Kirby Joseph says, yeah, all right. You know, I, if this, if that was Rogers last pass, it went to me, you know, he's got it. He's got Rogers potential last pass in the NFL. He's like, maybe I'll oh, have him sign wow. it. Oh, he's not, he's playing again. Well, no, he said, he said, I'll send it to him. And then he's like, and then if it's not, and he comes back, that's fine by me. I'll just get more interceptions. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Ooh, bulletin board material. Once again. I, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't oh matter. Boy. It doesn't. You know like what Eric was doing when he was playing these games back in the day. He was giving people <laughs> bulletin board material left and right. <laughs> you know what, though? This team was a team that, you know, they, they found their motivation. They created their own motivation. I mean, look at, look at Elliot going into this game, talking about how Rogers doesn't respect them. And like, they were mad, like they were legitimately mad and uh, they're ready to take it to them. And so I, I, I don't know this, this Packers team has a lot of question marks in my mind, a lot of question marks. Right. And uh, I, I think the, I think the Lions are are in a much, much better spot. All right. Speaking of this team, the Lions being in a better spot and uh being in a better position than the Packers, we're going to do a quick rundown of the 18 unrestricted free agents that the Lions are going to have to make a decision on. Um, I don't know, just give you give me your thoughts on each one of them as we go. Number one, sure, Jamal Williams, 1066 yards rushing, 17 touchdown runs. 
uh, it was a two-year, $6 million deal he was playing on. Mm-hmm. What do you think they're going to do? I think he's going to get a raise. Um, I don't think it's going to be anything like too out of control. Uh, but I think he's going to he's he's earned a raise, I think. And I think the Lions will pay him. Um, this is a guy who embodies everything that they want a player to be. They want someone who is can have fun, who loves the game, who is passionate, who cares about his teammates, who is not afraid to wear his emotions on his sleeve. I mean, like that post game with him was incredible where he goes from crying about his grandfather to like yelling at the TV to stop sleeping on the lions. And uh, it was, was, he's just, you know, and then you think back to like hard knocks when he's crying about like how much he cares about the team and how much he wants them to win. Like he's everything that they want in a player uh, off of the field, in the locker room, just is everything. And then he's reliable on the field even if he's not the game breaker, even if he's not the, you know, maybe if he, even if he never runs for a thousand yards again on a, uh, as a lion, it won't matter because he does all those other things. So I think uh, on my list that I made, the list I wrote over Friday, he's, he is the number one priority. I think he gets a deal done. Could be something as simple as like two years, 7 million, something like that. And uh, you know, I, th- I, I expect him to be back. If the number's that, I would see him back as well. If, if somebody gives him a big old contract, he probably will end up going. Worth noting, six years in the NFL, he's only missed eight games, so he's a very durable player, has only touched the ball in those six years 1,075 uh, times. So that's under 200 touches a year. So, you know, it doesn't have a ton of miles on him yet, but it's something to watch as he'll be playing next year at 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Right. Our next guy on the list Wide receiver DJ Chark. He was playing this season on a one-year, $10 million contract. And uh, as we know, he spent a lot of time injured, but made some Mm -hmm. big plays in that last game. And he made a couple of big plays in some other games this season. Originally, I had Chark much further down my list. Uh, The reason I moved him up was simply talent-based. There's, of all the players on this list, I think there's nine starters, the nine guys that were in starting positions. Chark is probably the only one that if they brought back, they wouldn't be able to upgrade over the top of him. Like I think all the other guys, Jamal included, they could find an upgrade in free agency or in the draft or something along those lines to all the other starters that they have. Like they could find an upgrade to those guys. I don't think they'd be able to find an upgrade to Chark. Uh, you've got Jamison. Jamison's probably going to take some, take snaps, more snaps away from like Josh Reynolds. But I think if, if you bring back Chark, but I think Chark's a guy that you, it'd be hard to try and upgrade from where he is. Injuries should drive the price down. Um, and so I do think he's a guy from a talent perspective is a little higher on my list than I thought he would be. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are telling that are going to probably, you know, yelling at their, their, uh, you know, radio or headphones or whatever, saying that I'm crazy. No, nobody's listening to us. On whatever, radio, whatever so it know. is. Yeah. Through their car. You know what I mean? Like, through all right. Their car. All right. Yeah. They could be listening to there it through the car radio device. That's what I meant. Um, but, uh, I, he's, he's, he's higher up there for me purely from a talent perspective. 
Chark, 30 receptions 50, uh, for 502 yards on the season. Next up, John Kaminsky off the scrap heap. Uh, very valuable player when healthy for the Lions. Um, Sorry, I just got breaking news Uh-oh. as this was happening. Ben Johnson has removed his name from head coaching positions, and he is staying in Detroit. What? Wow. Why that would he happen- do that? It is happening right now. Well, I guess we got to talk about cow. this. It, well, it's great for the Lions, and it'll be great for us as fans. Uh, I, like I was just saying in a joking manner, but it wasn't a total joke. He gets another year to develop his craft as an offensive coordinator, and he probably see you know the the options he has because Sean Payton's the number one option for anybody out there and he'll end up getting the best coaching job. I, don't, I, I can't think of who that is at the second, but Ben Johnson was going to have to pick for, if he was going to be hired as a head coach was going to be picking from a bunch of bad situations. Mm. I, I do think Carolina was the interesting one. Right. And I do think that right. was the one I was, I was the most worried about um, because they have a decent foundation. Yeah. They, they've sold, they sold away a lot of pieces, uh, but they have good defensive things in, in, in place. And um, he was supposed to interview in person tomorrow. And instead he, he, he cancels and, uh, and he decides to, uh, to stay in Detroit. So that's, uh, that's big. I will, I will, uh, man, I tell you, that is going to, uh, that's going to make the offense a lot more fun because, trying to find a replacement for him I think would have been really challenging. And I, I had a, I don't know, I didn't really, I didn't go deep down the rabbit hole on coaches, but like I had a couple of guys in mind, but realistically I think trying to replace Ben would have been a difficult situation to try and overcome. And now they don't have to worry about that. And so that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. Uh, I'm pretty static about that. Uh, what I mean, I, I I know you like. I know you. I'm sure you like the move as well. But uh, you want to? Do you have any thoughts to expand on that? Um, oh, I agree with everything you said there. It, it it's it's very good for the Lions. I you know it would be interesting to see, and it will be because in all likelihood, unless they regress next year, you never know. It mm-hmm. might happen. This is what we talk about college players. If you the iron's hot you know you strike while the iron's hot and you should leave for the nfl or whatever this might be the same situation for ben johnson we'll find out what happens they have this great offense this year hopefully it continues to develop next year and even to a better offense or at least at least that'd be the same type of offense they had this season uh but yeah hopefully he develops comes even better and he, he's an even more vital cog to what's going on around here next year he reminds me a bit of the Nick Nick Sirianni situation, right? Nick Sirianni was a, 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 a what OC for the um, for the for the Colts for a long time. Right. Um, was a hot was a coveted coach for a couple of years, but he always said I wanted to pick my spot. And then what does he do? He, Eagle spot comes up, he picks it, and now look where the Eagles are. You know what I mean? So if if Ben's going to leave, I'd lo- I'd rather see him do that. Right. I'm glad that he got some some experience interviewing. You know, he he had one with the Texans and and he had a, at least a um, an online, you know, so uh, or, you know, whatever it's called, uh, 
version of a uh, interview with 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 Carolina and, and and another. I think Colts as well. And but I, I'd love for him to be able to pick his spot a little bit more. You know what I mean? And and and. and it's a good feather in the cap for Dan Campbell. It's a good feather in the cap for Lions. In the end, this is a pretty, pretty important, pretty important move. I think it's it going to do. Go ahead. It would be interesting to me, and I, I was, I was getting to this, but you know how I get off topic a lot when I talk. It'll be, it would be interesting what Campbell does when, if Ben Johnson leaves, does he mm. take over play calling duties again on his own? Are they developing somebody in house? But if they're developing mm. somebody in house, does Ben Johnson just take him eventually when he leaves? Do they have some young guys in mind? Or yeah, you know, like I hope it's young guys that develop these bright minds, or bring in somebody from somewhere else, or or because bringing in Joe Lombardi, like who just got fired by the Chargers <laughs> and famously fired by us, and you know, and or uh, even a Cliff Kingsbury, like you don't want to bring these guys in. You these young guys who have some ideas and are at least developing something instead yeah. of just retreads. I think uh I think they have a couple of young guys in mind on both sides of the ball, but I don't think those young guys are ready. You know what I mean? Um like Calvin Shepard is going to be a really good coach in this league. He's already a good coach, but he's going to be a really good coach. And if things continue to move in the direction that they're moving, he's going to be defensive coordinator type of candidate down the road. Um, I don't think he's ready now. Like if Glenn were to leave now, I don't think Shepard would necessarily be ready, but he's headed that way. Um, and, and there's a couple other younger guys with aspirations as well on uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but again, I don't, I just don't think they're, they're ready. And so this is, this is a good move uh, for the lions uh, for, for at least next season, you know, I being able to retain him helps, man, you know, who the happiest person in the world is right. It's not Dan Campbell. It's not Ben Johnson. It's Jared Goff. Jared Goff has to be ecstatic because this is a, a coordinator where he understood you know, everything that Ben was going to do, he could anticipate it. And he knew how to execute Ben's vision and uh, and Ben tailored game plans to golf. And it's a uh, it's a it's a really good I mean, golf is going to he's got to be beside himself with excitement because he's going to be the. one. Oh, yeah, there, there, yeah. there's. Yeah, well, it makes Ben Johnson's life easier next year, too. I mean. The foundation's laid with all these guys, and they're going to be yeah. integrating some new pieces. We're talking about that right now of who's coming mm-hmm. and who's going, and obviously they're going to have some rookies. And, uh, you know, I don't know. This is the right move for us. You know, is it the right move for Ben Johnson? We'll find out, but I, I have this great news for the Lions. Yeah. All right. Where were we? John Kaminsky? John Kaminsky. <laughs> we want him back. I, I think he, he wants to be back, right? Like He, he has made he, it more clear than just about anyone. Maybe except for Jamal Williams that he wants to be back. <laughs> Him and and Bugs, we'll get the Bugs too. Yeah, bug, yeah, um, Isaiah Bugs, all yeah. all of them have have gone on social media and been like, "I've told the Lions I want them to bring me back. Please bring them back." Like Kaminsky went as far as to say at the social media, the the Lions team on social media, and tell them to bring me back because that's how bad I want to come back. And when a guy wants to be back that bad. He's gonna. He's he's 
going to be do what it takes, right? If if it's a one year deal, he'll take the one year deal. If it's a if it's a hometown discount, he'll probably take that hometown discount a little bit too. You know what I mean? And Kaminsky's in a great spot. Like they they're you on the edge on the defensive line. You need too deep. You need to be able to roll guys too deep. And right now, they lack a closed end for the type of scheme that they want to run after Pascal and Kaminsky can be that. And so I think it's an easy retain because you can always, you know, you can never have enough edge rushers. He's the four sacks this year. He's definitely a dude I want to see back. And when he was in the lineup, defense seemed to play better. Except for the Carolina game, defense seemed to play better. All right. Next up. He, Isaac, oh, I, oh. he, he was, no, he was, he might've been the only defender that I actually liked in that Carolina game. Like he, he was, he hustled his butt off in that game. Like he's playing a club the whole, you know, like almost the whole season, right? Like it's a, it's an easy, re, easy guy to bring back. Next up, Isaiah Bugs from Alabama spent the last three seasons in Pittsburgh. He has a backup nose tackle. Then he gets a starting role and he gets, he gets a little bit better. He gets a little bit better. He gets a little bit better. And when, as he starts stacking these get a little bit betters, uh, all of a sudden, he turns into a really nice player down the stretch. Uh, again, it's a guy you want to retain. Uh, Benito Jones, who was the backup uh, defensive tackle, he is an exclusive rights-free agent, so he's going to be back because it's not going to cost him anything. And so you want to bring Bugs back, and then you still want to add to the line as well because you need some, ta- you need even more talent. It's tough to run with only three interior guys. But I think Bugs is a catalyst for a lot of the things that worked well for the Lions. Uh, rumored that he was the one who led the players only meeting that, you know, turned the tide in the first Green Bay meeting in week nine. Um, he's was a vocal leader on the field. He was a vocal guy in the locker room, uh, you know, and this is a guy that's only been in the league four years. And he's a, a, a he established himself as, as a veteran leader and he loves it. He absolutely loves it. And as a nose tackle, he's not going to cost a lot. So easy, easy retain for me. Next up, also another defender, linebacker, Alex Anzalone. He's been there for the entire, re- well, two years. He's been around for the entire rebuild. I, he's always in mystery to me because he always leaves things open with almost a hint of, I probably won't be back. Um, then nobody it, wants him, and then he comes back. It, that's kind of what happened, right? Like that's kind of what happened last year. Um, I do think he's an upgradable player. At the same time, he's wore the green dot for two years. He's a guy who has, you know, he made plays. We talked about it in the game. He made two critical plays. I don't think I, I don't know if Barnes is ready. You know, like you you need they they have. They have six linebackers active on every game. And right now they only have two signed. This is a guy they they might want to retain. Will he test free agency? I think it's very likely because I think he's looking for a long-term deal. And I don't think the Lions necessarily want to give one, but will he be back? I think he could be back again. Deshaun, either way, I'd be fine if he stays, be fine if he goes. Deshaun Elliott. It's another high character leader in the locker room 
who fills a role that you have some question marks at. Now, Kirby's locked in, and Tracy seems to be on his way back, but you still don't know exactly where Tracy is, and so you might need some veteran insurance in your safety unit. And even if Elliot is that safety insurance, um, he can still be safety three, which gives them they 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 didn't use three safety sets this year. They just didn't like they didn't have the personnel, and so he would give them that opportunity. And so yeah, I'm I'm while Tracy and Kirby are definitely safeties of the future, wouldn't be surprising to see Elliot them trying to retain Elliot for another year. Right guard Evan Brown, who played most of last season at center, and this season he was mostly at right guard. He played 12 games, started 12 games at right guard. And the year before he started 12 games at center. And so basically a two-year starter at this stage. The question for me becomes, you're probably not going to get him back on a two-year, on a one-year $2 million contract like you did this year. So if you're going to give him a raise, how much of a raise are you going to give him knowing that if Vitae comes back or if you draft you know, a guard in the first three rounds. How much are you willing to give Evan Brown knowing that he might not be a starter? Uh, And will Evan go into free agency because he thinks he might get a starting job somewhere else? I, I think they'll try and retain him. I wouldn't be surprised if he tests though. If he gets starters money somewhere else, I'm guessing he's gone. The Lions have to project that. At some point in the future, Sewell, Ragnow, Jonah Jackson are going to get paid. Do you yeah. want to? And then they're going to have a tough decision to make with Taylor Decker as he's in his 30s. You mm-hmm. know, if he's still playing at the level that he played at this season, yeah, they probably would want to extend him. But if not, well, then you let him go. But I don't, I don't know if they can pay for it. I mean, but they are already paying for offensive linemen. But Sewell is going to end up getting paid a lot more money. When he comes yeah. in all likelihood, when he comes up for free agency in three years and, and they're going to have some interesting decisions. They, they, the home's got to be doing a lot of long-term planning when it comes to that offensive line. Yeah. Next up, Josh Woods, special teams ace. Yeah. Captain, right. Um, he had over 300 snaps. One of only, uh, one of only three players on the lions to have over 300 snaps. Um, his PFF grade on special teams was 91, uh, which was seventh best in the NFL and third best of anyone who had at least 100 uh, special team snaps. And 100 over a season it actually isn't really that much. So arguably, he was the third best special teamer in the NFL. That's that's impressive, right? And, and, it, and it, he showed why he was their captain. And he made... He made plays in a lot of different ways, and this is a guy that you probably bring back. You know, he was like one point two five million or something like that that this year, I believe. You could bring him back at one point five, one point seven five, and uh, and be pretty happy about that move. Corner safety kind of does it all in the secondary. Will Harris. It's good. It's really interesting because that position that they have that kind of hybrid defensive back nickel role, there's a lot of players out there now that are molding into that role. Um, it's a role that, that Aaron Glenn used in new Orleans before 
There are players in, in the college ranks that are coming up now that are familiar in the, with this role. There's going to be guys in free agency like Charcy Gardner Johnson, who was with Glenn in, C, in, in New Orleans, who are capable of playing this role. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they try and retain him or if they try and upgrade or go younger. Uh, he's he's a good athlete, but and he was he you know might have been their best defensive or best corner, but again I think it's a guy that you could bring back and he could start, or it's a guy that you could upgrade. And I, I don't have a great feel on this one. Only one career interception in four <laughs> seasons, so he's not a big uh, turnover machine, uh, but. He also um, has only missed two games in those four seasons, so he's a durable guy. Chris, oh no, Mike Hughes, cornerback. You know, they liked Mike in the latter parts of the season, even playing him over Jeff Okuda. Really good run defender, inconsistent as a cover guy, was better as a cover guy down the stretch. Um, He didn't have a negative PFF grade over the last half. And so... um, I think Mike's a guy that they try and, you know, bring back on a one-year deal again, if they can. Chris Board, another special teams ace. Yeah. And again, if uh, I would prioritize, um, I would, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, I would prioritize uh, Josh Woods, but Board's kind of in that same boat. Uh, I think Board didn't quite live up to, the expectations, uh, but he really wasn't that far off. Uh, he still was really good in what he did. Um, a one-year deal, I think, would be the offer. I don't know if he'll take it. C.J. Moore, safety. But I, and, I'm and all, yeah. Puts the, the fake punt. The Personally, yeah, personal protector, right? Like, uh, he executed two fake punts. They trust him like crazy, right? Like, you don't call – a fake punt on fourth and seven from your own 29 uh, unless you trust that that CJ Moore is going to get that for you. And he did. And I think that by itself, you know, is, is enough to, for them to extend a, a one-year contract for him to him as well. Justin Jackson running back had a little bit of value there. You know, he came in and, and spelled the, the, the guys, the high usage. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, th- I think it's an upgradable position. Again, uh, wouldn't be surprised if they offered him something and allowed him to come in camp. I also think with Craig Reynolds and uh, Jermar Je- uh, uh, Jefferson there that they also aren't going to overpay because they have some youth and they're probably going to add a running back uh, this offseason as well. So um, I don't know if he'll take that offer. He might test free agency as well. Nate Sudfeld, unless this guy is great at helping <laughs> golf prepare for games, mm. I don't know what he's gone. What do you do? I mean, like, the problem is, is we never saw him. Eh, right? I don't we have never a good saw... feeling about him. <laughs> we we never saw him during training camp because he was with Sam Fran. Uh, we never saw him in person during the regular season because of how they close practices. And he never threw a pass in, in, in a game. He, he ran the ball twice. Hand the ball off twice, got sacked once, kneeled down five times. So we really don't know. The only people that know how good Nate Sudfield is are the people in Allen Park. And, you know, they're the ones making decisions. So we'll just leave it up to them. Offensive tackle Dan Skipper also found himself the sixth offensive lineman. 
Yeah, you know, and, and a right guard, that, and a left and guard, a left right? Guard, yep. Yeah, um, enough to warrant a return. Uh, I don't expect it to be much though, because he kind of got exposed. Playing guard is really hard at his height. Um, this I don't know if the sixth offensive role lineman role is the best for him, but they seem to prioritize him over over Matt Nelson, who used to be really good at that, and um. You know, so they don't want to leave the cupboard bare behind uh, Decker and Sewell. So I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to retain him. But I also, you know, this is this is we're talking about vet minimum type of contract. Kicker Michael Badgley. I have no idea. I expect him to be Who back, knows? but I expect yeah. competition as well. Yeah. I mean, he Jake was Jake Moody. Right. Well, boy, if he's not drafted. Um, but I expect him to be drafted. Well, I don't know if the Lions will draft him. Hopefully, but... the Lions. I mean, even though it'd be good to have a good kicker, I don't. I'm not big into drafting kickers. <laughs> um, but yeah, I expect him to come back. I expect there to be some competition. He really wasn't bad. He missed a couple clutch ones. Um, he's doesn't have a huge leg from distance, but uh, he was. You know, he was pretty reliable. Last two guys I think have played their last game as Lions. Amani Oruwarie and Austin Bryant. Yeah, Austin Bryant was a healthy scratch the last like five weeks. Um, he never really – he shined in training camp and then fizzled when the regular season came about. I think when you're inactive, a healthy scratch like that, that consistently, it's kind of writing on the wall. Um, and then Oruwarie, I just – Maybe I I just don't think he didn't either he either doesn't fit with the coaching staff or he doesn't fit with the scheme. I don't know why he fell off the way that he fell off. Um, it was really unexpected because he was supposed to be a reliable starter and a contract that, year. Yeah, and in that year he just ten penalties. Um, what five penalties in six penalties in one in one game that led to him getting benched. And then he, then they shift the scheme and they return him in, into the starting lineup after the bye, And then he doesn't follow. Remember how mad I got after the Miami game when he just didn't do what he was supposed to do. Yeah. Like, like I was furious after that game. <laughs> like I was, I was, it was one of my, one of my rants this year. And then he got benched again after that. And, and I just, he just, nothing meshed well for him this year. It was, uh, it was, uh, unfortunately very disappointing. He's got potential to end up going somewhere else and still being a pretty good player. Sure. We'll see what ends up happening with him. Yeah. He's going to have to work. So that's, that's what we wanted to cover today. We had an issue. Of course we had an issue with maybe the biggest <laughs> podcast of the year. And it never got posted to an uh, Apple podcast, but Derek, you put the word out that there are plenty of other places to go. And it's, it's, yeah. it's probably not, you know, it's probably not worth talking about because everybody who's listening and can hear this know of ways to find the show. So, yeah. you know, but if you did, you know, if you're a Spotify listener and it doesn't show up on Spotify, like we do have the website, DetroitLionsBreakdown.com. Yeah. Um, you know, you can always go over to Apple Pod. I mean, not last week, but, you know, there are other podcast services that'll have the show and Eric will let you know via Twitter, but it'll definitely get up on the, the on our website every week yeah. or uh, it, we won't probably won't be every week in the off season, but most weeks. The nice thing is, is there have been a couple of listeners that have heard our plight with uh, the problem. And uh, 
they're willing to help us if we can't figure it out ourselves. And so I have a couple of people who have offered to help, which is very generous. And so hopefully the people that we're in contact with can get their acts together. If not, <laughs> um, you know, we got a couple of fans that are, that are awfully uh, supportive as well. And hopefully we'll get it all straightened away and, you know, back into everybody's feeds, proper feeds again. The day of the Packers game, we did receive two five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, which I I found a little ironic. But no. it was great. You know, they're very, very thankful for both of those. Well, we're running out of time. We'll 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 get to those names next next week, unless you've got it right in front of you, Eric. Uh I don't. I actually hadn't checked because I was mad at Apple uh for them causing problems for us. Uh, but a um, bunch of another but a handful of new reviews on Spotify are up to 165 there. So that's great too. And everybody just listening in general, we really appreciate it. You know, it was great. It was a great season. Um, big improvement over 2021. It's kind of what we were all looking for. And we got some good news today with the retention of Ben Johnson. So hopefully, you know, that that means and you know, and hopefully it means a good 2023 as well. Go ahead, Eric. Well, some... I was going to say, yeah, pl- uh, Plate of Blintzes and uh, Garris uh, 019. Those are the two reviews. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I, I've also noticed this in searching around some of the other podcast platforms that some of the other podcasts have reviews everywhere. Have yeah. reviews that I from like a couple years ago that I just I just never saw. So we well, appreciate don't worry everybody about thanking them because they've yeah. abandoned us because we didn't say their names. Well, show. we appreciate. I look everybody. Yeah, been we great. appreciate you. No appreciate the understanding. Too. That's it. That's all we got for this week. So until next time, let's go Lions.